Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Can we start with our creds? And I don't mean uh, our resume. Uh, Yes, we are technically both licensed marriage family therapists. And uh, we see a lot of couples and we talk about relationships a lot. But what I mean by cred is um, how many relationships have we been in personally? So I think I've been in more than you. Um, So starting with you, college. What I would consider like a real legit relationship, not like just dating. Yeah, I think it's important because uh, I think with relationship, kind of like parenting, um, it's hard to know unless you've been in it. Yeah, yeah. and and I and I you know I, I always tell you this. I know it's not like a broken record, but I think there's a difference between theory and practice. And yeah. um, we we can, as clinicians, quote unquote, we can um, study all the books on relationships, and we can um, get on our you know high horse and podium and. And them, and, and and what you should do and shouldn't do, and how to fight and all this. But um, we are human, and uh, I think the the greatest revelations and learning is through human experience. And so, um, I guess I'll go first. So, I uh, first relationship three years in my twenties, um, then a five year relationship that turned into another five year marriage. And then another three-year relationship. It was a long-distance relationship that turned into a reunion and relationship in Los Angeles. And then another three-year relationship. I, I have a pattern of doing a lot of three-year relationships. Um, and then in between... I was going to ask you, how long were you single in between those? Uh, there, was, there was one stretch after my divorce that I was single for like four years. And uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> That's like getting uh something in a look look at look at this. Show the oh you can't show the audience. People on podcast can't see it, but people on live can. You can describe. I'm, I'm drinking out of a paper cup. John brought me home a lovely little afternoon treat, very sweet of him. Acts of service is Acts Vanessa's service. love language. And as I was drinking and I was looking in the reflection of myself, it. I noticed something and I looked on the bottom and one of our daughter's like little play bracelets is completely in the circle. Oh, you know how that happened? It was in the cup holder. Yes. So when I put that in the cup holder, but it like fit perfectly. That fit perfectly in the cup. I don't know what that means, but I don't know. It's really sweet though. Let's put it on. You put it on here. For a little seashell necklace. Yes. Or bracelet. Um, Okay. So how long were you single? You said uh, there was there was a stretch of like uh, I think four years after my divorce, um, I was single. And uh, is that the uh, only stretch though? Were they all the other ones overlapped? uh, No, they didn't overlap. There, you know, periods of uh, a few months here, a few months there. Um, and the times that, that I'll be honest, the times that I was single, I didn't want to be single. I just no one, no one wanted me. <laughs> I was, I was out trying to not be single until, until I, I was single on purpose for a little bit. But um, I haven't had, yeah, I've always been in, um, in a relationship overall, except the, the, the four years of, of kind of finding myself, if you will. So, what about you? I'm eating croissant for those listening. I love John's podcast because it doesn't matter. I can be eating a croissant and people it, hey, still listen. Hey, it's not that it Although doesn't. Although you do get a lot of feedback about how annoying it is when you slurp your coffee into, well, <laughs> into the microphone. You define it as it doesn't matter, which is very cheap. 
um, I define it as real. I define it as documentation. I define it as authentic, <clears throat> not that it doesn't matter. Um, okay. Truth, art, of course it matters. Uh, okay, so for me. College, big one. Big one is college. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can't, I can't count the like, you know, two-year high school first love kind of thing because that doesn't. I don't know if high school counts. I know. I always, I always, Many would argue that it does. Yeah, some would argue. I, I guess I would actually consider, though, like my college, that relationship was the first big one, right? Yeah. The most impactful. So yeah. that was about five years, um, both long distance and together yep. over the course of that five years because I was in school. And then single for maybe four, four-ish years, something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of dating, but single. Um, and then I met my ex-fiance. We were together for six years. Mm. And then- Tie with us. Hmm? Tie with us. As of right now, yeah. Yes. So Not that it's a competition, but also not that- that the the amount of time you're with someone no and that is is that's, that's a good not, point that's because quality, then right? I was single after that I moved to L A and I was single for I don't know maybe like six to eight months or something which doesn't seem like a big distance and mm-hmm. after a six year relationship but I think um, in my defense of that six only six months I, you know I talk about this a lot like I feel like I was grieving the end of my relationship for a lot longer than like when it actually ended right. Um, but then I dated somebody very briefly here in LA for like mm-hmm. four or five months. Um, and even though it was only five months, it was very intense um, yeah. and kind of rocked rocked me in a lot of ways, led to a lot of growth, all those things. And so I do consider that one of my main, you know, kind of pivotal relationships. And then I was single for, I guess, maybe two years after that relationship until I met you. Yeah. I mean, so you also lots of relationships, yeah. you know? Um, so Vanessa and I, we, uh, co-authored a book, uh, called it's on me, it's you. And it's a collection of, uh, so far all of our, our, our big learnings and revelations. Mm-hmm. And we are running a retreat in Idlewild. Uh, we have a little, uh, retreat house in Idlewild and, uh, California, I, I, California. It's just uh, 40 minutes, uh, above Palm Springs. I run all my retreats there, my uh, miserable fucks retreats. And then Vanessa and I, once in a while, we'll run a couples retreat, very intimate, just a handful of couples in a living room, just talking about some real shit. And so some of the stuff that we talk about, we're going to talk about, um, give you kind of like a a highlight in this episode, um, are things that really uh, helped us, are things that we really had to look at and it really helped us. So obviously one big topic is codependency, right? So Vanessa has been talking about codependency forever. Feels like my whole life. (laughs) Yeah, and and, and, uh, it's because... She is a, a recovering codependent, right? And so um, that, I would say, is one of the biggest for you, correct? Codependency and how that shows up in relationships. How it impacts all of our relationships, yep. right? Because it's not that I'm a recovering codependent. You are too. The point is, is we all are codependent. Um, our therapist said we're supposed to use I statements. Yeah, well, we're we're all codependent. So that's that's just the that's just the fact of the matter. So um, it impacts us differently. It shows up differently depending on the person, depending on the relationship, depending on the activation points. But um, codependency is something that I f- firmly believe everyone in at least our Western culture um, struggles with in relationships. And so it's really important to understand the root of it, 
how it shows up for you individually in your relationship, how it shows up as a, you know, as a unit in your relationship, um, to start really moving towards this concept of like interdependence, right? Which is two autonomous beings who come together to make something greater, but not two people who lose themselves in each other, don't know who they are without the other person, um, you know, aren't capable of standing on their own two feet emotionally, uh, all of these things, you know, the people pleasing, the lack of boundaries, um, all this stuff that we see as kind of a fallout. Yeah. And of course, a lot of it is tied to our story, mm-hmm. um, you know, upbringing, childhood and all that, but uh, also and the, um, culture. The, the culture and definitions of love, mm-hmm. of love being yep you know, um, hanging on romance and the one and happily ever after and the the pressure that we put on um, each other as, you know, uh, to fulfill each other's needs, all of that stuff, right? So- Well, also, that would be a good segue into loving without your past, which is another topic that we talk about in the book and in the retreats because, yeah, it's really important. I mean, listen, we're therapists, obviously. It's important for us to understand where this all came from, right? Right. Not just family, not just culture, but also past relationships and how the like you like use this word residue, how that residue kind of shows up mm-hmm. and can impact the relationship that we're in now, whether that's our actual romantic relationship, friend relationships, relationship with self, right? I think it's important to kind of unpack that. Yeah. And if you're not aware of it, you mm-hmm. are just going to default to loving with your past, meaning all the... Um, behavior and thought patterns that you have um that you know you have uh carried from other relationships kind of just ripple into the next until you're able to stop it until you're aware and you're like hey this is um putting me into a cycle mm-hmm. or there's something here that i need to um stop because it keeps repeating right mm-hmm. um so loving without your past is something that we talk about uh, Vanessa and i are, are um, have had many conversations about our own past and how mm-hmm. we're bringing that into this relationship um, looking inward and taking ownership. This, uh, is, is, this is foundational. Um, if you're not able to take ownership or if you are with someone who is only defensive, now we could all get defensive. I'm right. defensive. Then Vanessa can be defensive when we're activated. We can definitely hold up a shield. Um, but if that, the person that you're loving or yourself only has one gear and that's defense, yep. um, you really can't build anything. I mean, I, I feel like, I mean, wow. Well, you can't build anything um, safe. But then, safety yeah, is but, built through at like taking responsibility and accountability. Sure. So if you if you can't build anything safe, then what are you building? Then what are you building? Yeah. So right. that's a big piece uh, that we go deep on. Um, attachment styles and love languages. Right. There's a, a lot of books. Uh, attachment styles right now are very uh, trending on the on the internet with relationships. So um, we do kind of a quick. I don't know what what a quick uh, 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 Cliff Notes kind of uh, yeah. I mean, one hundred and one on attachment styles. So one hundred and one. I think it's important for you to know kind of where you fall on the spectrum. Mm. Understanding that it is a spectrum; it's not fixed. Um, I think more so. You know, neither one of us are pretending in any way that we are like attachment based therapists. No, it obviously impacts and kind of colors the way that we work as therapists. Um, but it's important, I think more than anything, because understanding where you fall on the kind of spectrum of attachment is helpful in understanding, um, what happens when you're activated? Where do you go when you're activated? So that's in my opinion, the most helpful part about understanding attachment 
um, and attachment theory is understanding, oh, it's be- this is why and this is how I show up when I'm triggered, when I'm activated, when I'm under stress, when I'm under pressure, and this is why. And so that once you have that understanding, you can kind of start to like – I don't know, understand yourself, but also your partner. Like when they are flooded, for example, like like look at us. When I'm flooded, I tend to shut down, pull in, right? I go into this belief that like I have to do it all myself. Um, I can't rely on anybody else. Uh, I, I do it alone, right? And you know that that's not personal. Right. You know that that's based on my story. You know that that has to do with my attachment wounding. And so because you know that, number one, again, you don't personalize it. But number two, we can start to actually, between the two of us, develop strategies um, to continue to increase safety in our relationship for me to explore alternate ways of showing up, for me to explore leaning in when I want to back up, right? As in just kind of one simple example. Yeah. Um, for me, attachment styles uh, explained well, not only explained, but um, gave me some kind of to-do and structure when I felt anxiety because I lean mm-hmm. more more toward anxious. Um, it, you know, it helps you get out of yourself mm-hmm. so you're not just reacting, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of my uh, anxiety with uh, being attached in, uh, uh, anxiously, I uh, excused and I defined before I knew that it was an anxious attachment, I defined it as this is what love should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner isn't meeting me there, so maybe this isn't love. Mm-hmm. So a um, lot of jumping to conclusions about love when um, it had to do with uh, childhood wounding and, yep. and, and the way that I, I form attachments, you know. Um, well, I also think so it's important being- too, like with, a, with avoidance to understand, because the word anxious is in anxiously attached, I don't think we realize or remember or even know that avoidantly attached people are also highly anxious. And some might even say actually experience more anxiety than anxiously attached people. And so again, understanding it as a, this is what happens when I'm activated. This is what happens when I'm anxious in my relationship. Mm -hmm. And this is how I respond to that anxiety. um, I think really helps depersonalize it and also take some of the shame and stigma out of it. You know? Yeah. And those are just two attachment styles. There's many more. We're all swimming towards secure. Um, Working through the anxiety as a couple can mm-hmm. be really therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being transparent and doing this with each other instead of at each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not defending. You are trying to understand and share your inner journey with your partner, right? And mm-hmm. um, many of us don't do that. So what we get from our partner uh, are just reactions instead of an understanding of their inner journey, where they're at you know, who they are, who they're becoming. And um, when you can really um, be vulnerable in that way, uh, then you guys are on the same team working toward building something instead of uh, two people doing life like alone, you know? Like me against you. Yeah. Yeah. The big one we talk about is how to fight without fighting. And uh, this is, again, this is foundational. Um, It's not about how many times we fight. Uh, it's about how we fight. And, you know, when we talk about fighting, we're just talking about resolving conflict. Mm-hmm. There's going to be conflict and differences in every relationship. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't, I mean, friendships, family relationships, it's not just intimate relationships. And if you don't have the tools, capacity, awareness, intention. Um, Which a lot of us don't, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. We you weren't know? raised that way. Um, but if you don't know how to resolve conflict in a healthy way, there's just a lot of ruptures and no repair, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you can actually 
have a healthy fight that can bring you guys closer together. You I know? think we've had many of those. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it, fighting isn't a bad thing. Um, resolving conflict isn't a bad thing. W- what's important is two people learning how to repair. Mm. You know, there's there's actually a ratio. Um, everyone's aware of the Gottmans. They uh, the ratio is one to five. That if you fight five times, you get one fight that can go south, right? So, like, if 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 every five times that you guys have a uh, uh, a conflict, if four of the five ends in repair then that's that's good then it's mm. it's okay to have that one you get a one uh a free yeah uh, uh, yeah they're not now? always going to be resolved i mean i also think yeah. that's just reality yeah right but um but that requires learning that requires mm-hmm. uh we're not just reacting we are actually uh and it's hard to do it's mm-hmm. not it's a, it requires a practice mm-hmm. so we're gonna um go through that and and teach people um how to fight without fighting as we say so we can get the ratio down to mm-hmm. one to one to five. <laughs> For many people, it's a coin toss. For many people, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're gonna fight, and this is fifty fifty. And so we, and so it's like, you know, at every five times we fight, three there is no repair, and two there might be, mm-hmm. right? And and over time, that's just gonna it's gonna destroy the relationship. So one to five is is the goal according to the Gottmans. Mm-hmm. And then uh, laying new tracks. Um, I talk a lot about. Um, the corrective love experience. I talk a lot about the new love experience um, with Vanessa and I. That's been, at least for me, a really powerful thing to uh, want because I know that we both have the capacity to give ourselves mm-hmm. and each other something new. And, and and something new may not always feel good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, Sometimes what feels good is the dysfunction. Yes, moment, right? yes, yes. Um, but you have to like, we, you and I, are, I think, are consciously committed to to kind of allowing our like conscious higher selves as much as possible lead that charge yeah. instead of the kind of unconscious drive, which says that the dysfunction is what feels normal and good, right? Yeah. And ultimately, I think uh, that's what we're meant to do as kind of humans in relationships. We're, we're, we're um, supposed to build something that kind of heals each other. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, in that exchange, we learn and grow, uh, through it. And I think that happens when we give ourselves new experiences mm-hmm. or, or we're just playing the same record, you know, getting, you know, the, the, the whole saying that uh, a lot of people say that, uh, yeah, you just keep dating the same person, just the faces change. That's an example of not giving yourself new experiences, right? Usually from, from lack of self-awareness, lack of tools, yeah. you know, it's not like to blame you from having the same experience over and over again, but um, sometimes it takes people on the outside to reflect back to you, well, here's what I see in that pattern, or here's what I, you know, or have you considered this, um, to really give us those kind of aha moments to be like, oh shit, I never thought about it that way. Right. And then the next time that pattern comes up, cause it will, uh, that version of you that I was just referring to, you know, might in the tiniest little whisper be like, Hey, excuse me. <laughs> Remember when you learned that thing? Like maybe try it this way this time, uh, and see what happens. And then it just takes sometimes that one time for you to have like a holy shit, like you said, corrective experience. Yes. And or maybe uh, sometimes it takes a hundred times. Until you yeah. Yeah. Experience. Who knows? So we're going to do our best to, um, 
you know, the, every relationship is intricate, unique, and, you know, uh, there are so many different ways to approach relationships, right? Um, these are some of the big things we're going to tackle. Mm. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, broad strokes, the, these are kind of like foundational. So if you were to buy, um, you know, a box of firecrackers, these, the, this is like the Piccolo Pete and the <laughs> M80 and the, the sparkler, like the, all the, all the things that it's you really like dude thing you could ever use as a women, metaphor. Other, other genders, they don't do firecrackers. I'm just, fire. I mean, even a gender it was, it's still, if it was a chick that said it, I would still say that was a very dude metaphor. Mm. <laughs> um, but we are giving you the, uh. The, the the nice family box of fireworks where you go home and and I don't know I'm from New York they're not legal so you know, your kid your kids would be very happy with this because it has everything so this is our <laughs> approach to that um, and also uh, we're not just gonna sit around the living room and talk for hours right so we're gonna incorporate um, since we are in nature a somatic experience so whether that is an ice plunge or you know, going into the sauna or, or whatever, your sweat on. getting your sweat on, going for a walk. Um, we are, we have structure. And uh, on top of that, um, this is probably the best part of all our retreats is um, we have a chef who is in the kitchen making everything from scratch. Oh, you don't have to think about anything for a yeah. whole weekend. You're just taken care of and yeah. pampered with the most yeah. delicious meals. I'll tell you what, as a mom of a young kid that like, you have to think about three meals a day, every day, forever and ever until you die. <laughs> That is like one of the biggest perks of going on retreat, in my opinion. Yeah. So that and, of course, um, great coffee, 360 views of nature. Mm. Um, and, you know, you could hang out with us live uh, in person, which is a very different experience than hearing our voices or um, watching us on social. So go to, uh, I guess, go to my Instagram at The Angry Therapist and hit my bio and you will see our uh, retreat link there. And April 19th through 21st, by yes. the way, because I don't think you saw the date. Yes, April 19th through 21st. And uh, yeah, we are looking forward to working with you and we will see you. We can do payment plans as well. So, do payment plans. So email one of us and we'll get you that info too because yeah. we know that it's it's hard to put that down in one chunk. So yeah. let us work with you. Whatever you need, let yep. us know. We're very flexible and we um, our intention is to help as many couples as we can. So um, reach out. Thank you for listening. Be well. Bye.